1: Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show, bottom of the hour. Was it with Josh Pick, Aptus Wealth Management? Looking forward to that visit. We have talked in hour number one about the escalating Joe Biden classified document scandal. Uh, There are more documents. And Joe Biden, I think, might be, hmm, I might get a food taster if I was Joe. uh, Because it looks to me like the Democratic Party is either becoming increasingly at peace with him being damaged by the drip, 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 drip Chinese water torture of secret document disclosure, now dating back to his days in the Senate, which, uh, by the way, uh, you are not allowed as a senator to take classified documents out of whatever room you read them in. Now, by the way, as a vice president, you are not allowed to take classified documents. As a president, you are allowed to declassify documents, but you're still supposed to steward those documents in a way that is in accord with U.S. law and to not place the security, the national security of the United States of America in peril. Uh, Has that happened? Is Joe Biden, are these just, you know, inconsequential documents that he had? Well, we don't really know, although we do know that some of these documents were marked top secret. Now, I would assume If something's marked top secret, it's not subject to, as CNN referred last week, classified spillage. You know, you're at the dinner table, reaching for the mashed potatoes. You'd handed your water glass to somebody. They put it where you weren't aware it was. You reach for the potatoes. Oops. Down goes the water glass. Everybody gets up right away before the water pours in their lap. That's accidental spillage. That's what CNN would have had us believe last week. That's how Joe document, uh, Joe document, Joe Biden (laughs) might be a good nickname for the old boy. Uh, That's how the documents became misplaced. And again, remember, Joe Biden takes classified documents very seriously. Well, I'm really glad he takes classified documents seriously because think how many we might have and how many locations they might be in. If he were cavalier with classified documents, I think we're up to like five different places. Here's the other thing. Well, I'll allow Andy McCarthy to make this point because uh, it is a very good point about who's searching for classified documents and exactly how many have been found.
3: I think it was irresponsible for the Justice Department to let the private lawyers who don't have security clearances look for these documents in the first place. There was a planned consensual search. People should understand all that means is consensual means the person consented to the search. Usually that happens under circumstances where the government has grounds to get a criminal search warrant. So you say to them, you don't have to go to court, I'll let you come in and look. Planned only means that uh, they knew they were coming, which is probably why the president spent the weekend at Rehoboth when they were going to search Wilmington. It was was one of these things where they arranged it ahead of time.
1: Yeah, now you can imagine how this would be written if, it were a Republican whose property were being searched for classified documents. The consensual search, which sounds, you know, very benign, right? Consensual. Oh, okay, he agreed to do everything fine. As Andy McCarthy noted, it was consensual because they could have gotten a criminal complaint <laughs> to search if it didn't, if it wasn't consensual. But if a Republican had agreed to a consensual search, it would have been written... In a last-ditch effort to avoid a criminal search warrant, Republican fill-in-blank here, agreed to allow the Justice Department to come in and search their property. That's how it would have been written. A last-ditch effort to avoid criminal prosecution. Yes. So, uh, that is where we are with the uh, Biden document scandal. Mark Thiessen, Washington Post, makes the point that the fact that these documents date back to Joe Biden's days in the Senate uh, removes one page from the Democratic playbook on this, which was uh, Joe Biden's an old guy. And Donald Trump was a mean guy and Donald Trump was coming into the White House and Joe Biden had to get out and uh, it was uh, it was careless. It was it was uh, uh, accidental. And uh, the doddering old man defense. Can we play the doddering old man defense if the documents date back to Joe Biden's time in the Senate?
2: These latest tranche, which we found documents from his Senate tenure... Now he can't claim that he's not personally responsible for this. So when, when he was when this was all starting to happen, when they were finding these documents from his vice presidency, they quietly tried to blame the staff. They pointed to, to Kathy Chung, who is his executive assistant, who packed up his vice presidential office and sort of threw her under the bus uh, as possibly the person responsible for that. But but Kathy Chung didn't work for him in the U.S. Senate. He had a completely different staff there. Uh, he, he was in the he left the Senate in 2009. so That was over uh, over a decade ago, uh, and he arrived in in uh, 1972. Where are these documents from? That, that were from his Senate offices. So we, what this shows is this is not a staff problem. This is a Joe Biden problem. This he he is a serial mishandler of classified information going back a decade or more.
1: That's a good word, serial. A serial mishandler of classified information. Here is what Joe Biden also is. He is a serial braggart. He is a serial blowhard. And my assumption as to why he had classified documents is because he felt like, who are you to tell me that I can't take this? This is a way that I can exert my superiority over you. Well, you're important, but I'm many times we heard this i'm a biden don't blank with a biden on my word is a biden right as if his last name is some superpower it's not a superpower there are no superpowers in politics in the u.s there's not supposed to be there was though for hillary clinton when she broke the law by putting classified documents on a private server like you have to go and find the electronic gadgetry and have it installed in your house and have it wired and then put the classified information on it. How that did not... And James Comey's defense: Well, but she didn't mean to. There was no intent. How does that not show intent? You go, you buy the server, you direct somebody to buy the server, you agree to with somebody when they tell you, hey, we ought to get our own server. You... Have it put in your home. You have it wired in your home. I assume that brings about some degree of uh, inconvenience while you're in your home. Do you go about your business in a normal fashion when the cable guy comes over to set up Dish Network or DirecTV? You're just hanging around, walking around in your bathrobe, doing whatever you normally do as if he's oblivious It doesn't inconvenience you at all? Of course not. Of course not. Do you know he's there? Oh, I didn't realize they were there wiring my house for a private server. Come on. And the defense was, well, sure, she had it, but she didn't mean to. She didn't She didn't mean to. Ay ay ay. But that's what, that's Biden's best hope right now, is that the Hillary rule saves his doddering old foolish tale. Andy McCarthy, National Review.
3: They're not allowed to take those out of Capitol Hill. You know, if you're on Capitol Hill, you have to review stuff uh, in a skiff on Capitol Hill. So this is a pattern of being cavalier with uh, with with national security information. I think to Dana's point, I think he's saying that he has no regrets because now that the problem is a Biden problem rather than a Trump problem. We're back to the the Hillary Comey rules, so, which means we don't apply the Espionage Act as it's written which says that if you exhibit gross negligence in mishandling classified documents, you can be prosecuted for a felony. Now we're back to, well, you know, she wasn't really trying to sell the country out to the Chinese. They didn't really intend to do anything wrong. We don't really know if national security was harmed. Uh, So, you know, I think we're back to the Hillary Comey rules because we have a Democrat who's, you know, in the sights.
1: How can you be any more grossly negligent? than going out and buying your own server and having it installed in a closet in your house away from the Capitol. Ridiculous. But it's a Democrat thing. You know who else is cavalier in their uh, observance of legal stipulations? The Columbus Police Oversight Review Board. Maybe we need an oversight review board for the Oversight Review Board. Because it turns out They've been meeting in secret. Now, this is a no-no because there's a little thing in Ohio called the open meeting law. If you have a board, you got to put your meetings out. Hey, we're going to meet on Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Got anything to say? Come in, listen. And if they want to go into executive session, they have to announce it in the meeting. We're going into executive session to talk about personnel, to talk about this, that, or the other. There are exceptions to the open meeting law. But one of them is not that it's more convenient for you to get together at a coffee shop or in somebody's house. But, of course... All the people on the Columbus Civilian Police Review Board are like-minded. There's not a single conservative on there. There's not a single police defender on that board. They were set up expressly to build in a layer of oversight against police when police do their jobs, and none of these people on this board have any idea how police do their jobs because none of them have been police. Really? Imagine. Can you imagine setting up an oversight review board of somebody and not insisting that at least one member of the Oversight Review Board have the expertise in the field so they could say, well, I've done the job, and when you're doing the job, you have to look out for this, or this might have been a mitigating factor. No, no, no one on the board has that expertise. So there was a press conference this morning between uh, the family of Stone Fultz and his, pre- and his attorney Rex Elliott. Uh, Bowling Green State University paid the Elliott family $2.9 million um. in a lawsuit to avoid further culpability in the death of Stone Fultz. He died in March of 2021, almost two years ago. He went to a fraternity initiation thing drank a liter of bourbon, uh, passed out, and, um, and unfortunately died. Um, I don't know the family. I don't know the situation. I don't know if Bowling Green knew about hazing and did nothing about it. I've said before, uh, the family's pain is unimaginable. But this has always struck me as a more a failure of personal responsibility than it was of any failure on the part of the university. I didn't go to Bowling Green. I don't have any loyalties to Bowling Green. I'm just saying, if a kid allows himself to be talked into doing something that he knows is bad for him, and I would presume that anyone would know that drinking an entire liter of bourbon is bad for them, I don't see how the university is responsible for that young person's bad decision. It's tragic. See, two things can be true at once. I say this all the time. Something can be tragic, and it can be no one's fault. The death of Breonna Taylor in Louisville. She was shot by police. Her boyfriend got out of bed, shot at police. Police fired back. She was killed. Tragic? Yes. A crime? No. No. We see a similar kind of unrest in Atlanta right now. Antifa was rioting on Saturday night. This is rich, by the way. Antifa rioting because Antifa was protesting the building of a police training center in Atlanta. So one of their Antifa crackpots fired at police officers. Police shot back. The crackpot, the 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 rioter was killed. So now Antifa goes into downtown Atlanta and riots and causes comparable damage in a much more violent way than the January 6th protesters. Is the mainstream media reporting this? If they are reporting it, and I saw some reporting on it over the weekend, police were the ones agitating. Police were the ones, and they trotted out one of their favorite stupid uh, expressions, mostly peaceful protesting, while police cars were burning. Mostly peaceful protesting. Now, what's really interesting is Atlanta, if you've been there, downtown Atlanta in particular, is overwhelmingly black. Five of the six Antifa protesters were white from outside Atlanta. So let's get the full picture here. The white guys and girls from Antifa who do not live in Atlanta were protesting against a police training center so that police could be better trained to monitor and maintain order in Atlanta. Do you think black people in Atlanta would like there to be more law and order in Atlanta? Less murders, less crime, less victimization by crime? I'm going to guess yes. They would like their neighborhoods to be safer. But the white protesters from outside Atlanta who go in there to rabble rouse and cause trouble, they don't want that. So you tell me, who's the racist? Who's the racist? The cops who want to make life safer in Atlanta or the people who don't live in Atlanta who go into Atlanta and riot, and burn, and protest a police training center so that Atlanta can be a safer city. These are questions that will not be asked on major mainstream media sites. And I'm shocked that questions are being asked about schools and about the transgender ideology in schools by the likes of Bill Maher. This is the premiere of Real Time with Bill Maher with Uh, gay author Andrew Sullivan and Republican Congressperson Nancy Mace. I'm not sure who's talking here. I'm not sure if Mace is on this cut or if Andrew Sullivan is on this cut or if it's just Bill Maher, but they're talking about schools, and they they sound like three conservatives sitting around talking. So, um... know we
4: live in a prison yard in this country which is everything is tribal and like anything to do with schools or education is something really the democrats have to answer for because they control it i mean if you look at the democratic convention it's like three quarters of them are teachers My sister's a teacher i'm a big defender of teachers but what's going on in schools is outrageous and somebody needs to answer for it i was seeing a couple weeks ago while we were off a six-year-old in virginia six-year-old brought a gun to school in newport news my day, it was an apple. <laughs> Shot the teacher, which is horrible in itself. But here's the, thought, the quote I thought was very interesting. It's from the school librarian. It's talking about how students are routinely assaulted. She said, every day in school, in one of her schools, teachers, students, and other staff members are being hurt. Every day, they're hit, they're beaten, they're bitten, they're beaten. How did we completely lose control? How could any kid learn in this atmosphere when you can't can't even survive? And these are all schools. It's not just inner-city schools. I hear this anecdotally from people. We've completely lost control of our schools.
1: Yeah, we have. And when parents get in there and try to instill discipline... Or when parents protest academic programs like critical race theory that give students who are in the odd event are being disciplined are given a shield to hold up and say, well, you can't discipline me. You're racist. You can't discipline me. You're transphobe. You can't discipline me. You're a homophobe. You can't discipline me. You're fill in the blank. When you take away the authority of the people in charge, to be in charge. And when you tell the kids you can be anything, nobody can stand in your way. Well, you can be anything if you have the gifts. Oh, we don't dare. We don't dare acknowledge that some people are given more gifts than others. We don't dare acknowledge that. We don't dare acknowledge that some people can develop gifts by practice, by hard work, by frustration, by coaching. No, any coach who wants to lean on a kid To get more out of them, to challenge them. Oh, that coach is taking his coaching life or her coaching life in their hands. So it's really interesting that Bill Maher's like the people who live in California and move to Arizona because the taxes are lower, but continue to vote Democrat. He's going to sit there on his program and he's going to bemoan the southerly turn of our schools. Is he going to vote for? The next conservative that he has the opportunity to vote for? Of course not. You know that. They're going to keep voting for things. What's the definition of crazy? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting things to change?